Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Thank you, Barry Woods. And yes, indeed, The Weekend Report is on your radio. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us once again. My name is Tony Colombo in studio this week with producer Carl Middleman. Hello. Frank is a busy, busy man. He is on <laughs> assignment. And so uh, Carl is filling in for Frank again this week. And so, next. Yeah. So thank you very much, Carl, for uh, all your help. And, of course... My partner, Chris Arps, is once again practicing proper social distancing and is connected via the marvel of modern technology at the Arps Bunker somewhere in the St. Louis metro area under 50 feet of concrete (laughs) and steel. (laughs) What's going on, dude? Good evening, my good friends. How are you guys? I'm well, sir. Thank you so much uh, uh, for everybody tuning in to the Weekend Report today. So um, this is what we're going to do today. We have, uh, of course, our standard two-hour show. Uh, Chris has uh, some important, very (laughs) uh, famous guy. When you're an important, famous person like Chris Arps, you get pulled away uh, on certain certain things. He's like Frank. Yes, he's going to be. Yeah, you and Frank. I've, nobody wants me for anything. I could sit here in the studio and do the show for hours and hours, and nobody would even notice. Um, but uh, yeah, but Chris has got to uh, Chris has got to leave after the first hour of the show. So we're going to spend this first hour breaking down all of the big news stories of the week. Obviously, a lot of uh, serious stories to kind of delve into. There's also some fun stories though too. So we're gonna. We're going to get through as much of the week as we can in this first hour with Chris. And then in hour number two, we are going to talk to our friend Virginia Cruda from The Daily Caller. And we are going to talk to former United States Senator Jim Talent. And this is my chance, Carl, because I, Jim Talent yeah. likes Chris more than he likes me. Because oh. they have a long history. You know, we, they've been friends for a long time. They worked together. Chris worked for Jim. No, we didn't work together. I worked You worked for, for him. him. That's right. You're right. You're, yeah, that's right. I together. corrected. I corrected it. Um, yeah, we didn't work together. Yeah. Uh, uh, but this is my chance because Chris won't be here for this interview. I'm going to tell the senator that Chris refused to be on with him. <laughs> and uh, hopefully maybe I can become uh, Jim Talon's favorite weekend report host and I, take that spot from Chris. I drove Who by the senator's the house the other day. Oh, wow. There you go. I know where he lives. No. I've known him longer than both of you. So How about that? What do you want me to ask him, Chris? I want you to ask him a question for me. Okay. I want you to ask him how big of a deal 
is this peace treaty between Israel and the United Definitely. Arab Emirates. Yeah. How big of a deal is that? Great question. And um, and Tony wasn't going to say that at all. <laughs> I will definitely credit <laughs> he you. He wasn't going to ask the foreign policy guy about but anything yeah, foreign policy. But it's a great point that, uh, you know, uh, if you're going to get an answer to that question, Jim Talent is probably one of the most qualified people in the United States to answer that question, and we uh, have the opportunity to talk to him today, so for sure. Um, that is Make one of the— Make sure you tell him that's one my the, question. I will. I promise. <laughs> I promise. I promise. And, um, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's one of the many stories that have kind of gotten—that are, that are a big deal— that haven't gotten the attention that they normally would because of the vice president news this week. And, of course, coronavirus continues to dominate the headlines. So some of these what should be, you know, big time headlines that uh, dominate the the news cycle are barely getting any attention at all. And, and this Biden deal between, even said it was a big deal. Yeah. This deal between Israel and uh, the UAE is is definitely one of them. And you know what? I was going to start with the vice presidency, but let's I, actually I want to get your thoughts a little bit on this story, Chris. One of the things that Donald Trump said when he was making this announcement about this new agreement be- between Israel and the United Arab Emirates is that there are other countries in the Middle East and around the world. He mentioned North Korea. He mentioned uh, Iran. He mentioned China. He mentioned Russia. He said there's a lot of countries like this that are also ready to make a deal. But they are, in his words, wisely waiting until after the election because they would rather deal with Joe Biden than Donald Trump. And he said if he's reelected, they'll be forced to deal with him and he'll be able to get these these agreements done that he says are are ready to go. But these countries are thinking, you know, well, if Trump's not there, I can— you know, what he was inferring is that they'll be able to take advantage of Joe Biden and get a more favorable deal. Um, I thought it was a, a you know, a, a sly little, you know, uh, a election statement while he was making this announcement that, hey, this is a big deal. And I, there's others that are that can be happening. But uh, these countries are waiting to see if they have to deal with me or if they're going to get the easy route and go with Joe Biden. Uh, do you believe that at all? Do you believe? I mean, I believe that they're waiting for the election. But do you believe that <laughs> China that he's sure. got some that he's got some uh, deals on the hook? But um, but these countries are holding out because they would rather deal with Joe Biden. You think there's any truth to what the president said? No, I don't think there's any truth to that at all. Uh, <laughs> Pure politics. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be yeah. candid on that one. No, yeah, no, please. That's that's, that's why I ask. It's the weekend but report. When it, but when it comes to the agreement between Israel and the UAE, that is a big deal, but it's not a really big deal. Um, like over Saudi the years, Arabia. the United Arab Emirates has already had kind of backdoor relations with mm-hmm. Israel mm-hmm. already. Um, this agreement just makes it formal. But it does, uh, as a lot of the, the prognosticators are saying, is it puts a lot of pressure on the Palestinians to make a deal because most of the Arab states in that region uh if they do sign some type of treaty or something in Israel, um, the Palestinian cause has to be included in it. And in this case, uh, Palestinians weren't included. They did it unilaterally. unilaterally. So um, I think this spells well for the future of the Middle East. I think this may cause other uh, Arab countries to uh, join Jordan and Egypt um, having formal relations with Israel. I'm going to ask Jim Talent the same question I just asked you, and I hope he says that 
Oh, yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> they would rather deal with Biden, and he probably you know, does have a few deals on the line. And I'm going to be know, like, Chris yes. Arp, Chris Arp said yes, this. Yes, because Chris said this, and Jim, you're <laughs> smarter than he is. <laughs> and he may say that, too. It was ironic that I read something yesterday that said that the defense secretary, um, if Trump is reelected, may be leaving hmm. uh, at the beginning of the year. And how many times has Jim Town's name been brought up? Yeah, every time. I can't believe Defense Jim's not. Yeah, I can't believe Jim's not part of that team already. I, I'm surprised that that Jim hasn't hasn't served uh, with Trump in a more um, official capacity. In I, these I'll four tell years. you why. If I had to guess, yeah, um, you know that uh, Donald Trump and Mitt Romney don't have the best relationship, right? I and agree with that. Senator Talent was a advisor on both of. Uh, of oh. uh, Mitt Romney's campaigns, and they have a pretty close relationship. Yep. So gotcha. as you know, we've heard Trump likes to likes people around him that are he feels are loyal and that are with him. Yeah. And uh, that may be a, a trouble spot. That's interesting. The, that's interesting. Trump. Yeah, that's very interesting. And and unfortunately, that's probably <laughs> that probably has a whole lot to do with it. My <laughs> president has a long yeah. list of yeah. people. <laughs> My and thoughts got a long on, list and a long memory. My thoughts on what the president says is that I, I think I, I, I believe him that leaders around the world would rather deal with Joe Biden than him. But I don't I agree with you, Chris, that I don't believe that he has these, uh, you know, these agreements, these treaties all ready to go, ready to be signed. But they are they they nobody wants to sign them until after the election. I, I think that's crap. But I do believe him. I, I, well, I don't believe him. I just think personally that leaders around the world would probably uh, negotiate deals with Joe Biden than Donald Trump. Um, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. So, of course, the big headline of the week, we've been waiting for it and waiting for it. Joe Biden finally makes his vice presidential announcement. It's Kamala Elizabeth Harris. Warren. We've been talking about know, this on the show for a long time. We've been making our predictions. Um, I was uh, I was sticking with Val Demings as my number one and Susan Rice as my number two. You've been saying Elizabeth Warren for a long, long time. As soon as it was announced, I sent you a text. <laughs> I sent Chris a text that said, well, it looks like we were both wrong. And so I admitted that I was wrong. Uh, I have yet to hear you admit that you, because uh, you're usually pretty good at predictions, yeah. but you missed this one. Um, you know you were wrong, right? I was wrong. Hey, you know- I can't believe it. <laughs> Clip that. Clip that. I was wrong. Chris Arps you- just said I was wrong. That never happens. Yeah, and you can tie that into the clip where I said that it was definitely going to be Elizabeth Warren when we had Bob Beckel on. So you have a real good, uh, a yeah. real good soundbite there. Yeah, there you go. So. Um, what do you, what do you, uh, obviously you did, you didn't think she was the, the best person for the pick. Uh, explain what you, what your thoughts are on, on this now official ticket. Well, as I've said on other areas or other interviews, I think that, uh, uh, Kamala Harris will excite this ticket for this week and probably next week during the Democrats virtual convention. But I don't see that, uh, momentum lasting. Uh, The reason why I didn't choose her or think that Joe Biden was going to choose her is because all of the problems uh, that she brings to the campaign. If you remember after uh, after uh, Biden picked her as vice president, the uh, RNC and the Trump campaign came out immediately with a commercial calling her phony Kamala, Mm -hmm. flip flop Kamala. And if you remember during the campaign, she flip flopped on a lot of different issues. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that's really going to be a problem for her is her record as the district attorney in San Francisco and as the attorney general 
in in California. I don't think that the blue, the Black Lives Matter crowd, once they hear more of her record, are going to be able to support her. You know, what's really, I think, telling is that if you remember back over a year ago when all of this was just getting started and there were still, you know, 57 Democrats running for president <laughs> and we were all trying to analyze the true, you know, front runners, the true contenders. And I know I did and... I, I can't remember what you said, but I know a lot of people were saying, you know, I don't know if she's going to I don't know if she's going to make it all the way to the end. But the ver a very scary um, opponent for Donald Trump is Kamala Harris because she's young. She's a black female. She's you know, a senator. So she's, you know, got some experience behind her. And she's fine. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed and, to say that. Chris. And we thought, you know, we thought that, you know, she could be somebody you know, if nothing else, optically, that would create a, a big challenge for the president. But her presidential campaign never the the people the the Democrat voters never embraced her at all. So many of the other candidates, Bernie, obviously, Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, even Beto O'Rourke, early on, um, they all had their kind of moments where they where they caught fire and they gained momentum and they it, Kamala never even had that. She never even had well, a time. Well, she did. She had, Tony, she did have one moment and that's when she, <laughs> she uh, brought Joe out the Biden. incident about yeah. the and she was a little right, girl. Right. That was her one moment. Yeah, but it never, it never boosted her in the polls or anything like that. It never seemed, it, it, it got, it got attention, but I, but you know what I mean? Like the voters, the Democrat, the Democrat voters just never seemed to embrace her at all during that, presidential election so i don't know why anybody would think that the democrat voters will embrace her now if they he doesn't need to her win california ago. he doesn't need her to win california well i know but you bring on a vice president because you you want to have some pot you don't want it to be a negative of effect on the do campaign. no harm yeah Kamala harris is on the ticket solely to bring in the African-American vote. Yeah. That is her purpose, especially the African-American female vote, because African-American females vote uh, more than black men. She's also put on the ticket because she had a pretty tough record as a DA and as a uh, attorney general in California that she's hoping, that they're hoping that she will appeal to the suburban soccer moms when it comes mm. to security. You know, we're seeing all these riots and everything all around the country, and that's a tactic that the Trump campaign is going to try to use to say that you don't want the country to turn into uh, Seattle, Chicago, and all these areas. And so with her strong record that she had, and it was a strong record uh, as Cal in California as a prosecutor, um, they're going to try to use that to try to shore up uh, suburban women votes. That's what she, that's her, that's her mission. Gotcha. Um, I can't believe that I have, that this is, a part of this, but I want to get your thoughts on this specifically. I've been looking forward to asking you this question on the whole African American thing. That's the you know you just called me Tony. obviously. Well, I wanted to have it on the air because I want <laughs> oh, people to, okay. I want people to hear it. Um, no. You're not his only black friend. The day the day that it uh, it's true. Uh, the day that this happened, we were on the air on the Dave Glover show, and so we're reacting in real time and we're breaking it down. And, you know, we're talking about um, her being African-American and um, Asian Indian and 
And uh, who do we have on? I think we had Tim Jones on, who was talking a lot about the, the same thing about you know appealing to the African American vote and being an African American female. And I'm getting tweet after tweet <laughs> from people saying, "You you guys and your guests, you keep incorrectly identifying." Oh, don't go. Com- oh. I know. Listen, uh, I didn't. I didn't want to go there. I put something on my face. I didn't want to go there. I know you so did. Infuriated. I know you did. I know, and that's that's part of the reason that I wanted you to. Uh, that's why part of the reason I wanted to have this conversation on the air. Um, I, you know, I, I'm getting all these tweets, and I knew it. Like you can sense it. You know how sometimes you can just sense where <laughs> yes. the uh, um, outcry, the protest crowd is going to uh, go. And so people are tweeting me, and they're saying, you know, your guests and you guys keep incorrectly identifying um, Kamala Harris as African American. She's Jamaican and Indian, and. I- <laughs> I don't. I don't want to get. I don't want to get into a long like world history lesson. Oh, but, I've got a really but simple explanation. Most most Jamaicans have African origins. If you just keep going back down the line, so and she was born in Oakland, <laughs> right? And and I think that you know, African American it means black people. I think that is what. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't yeah. mean to be oversimplified, but. <laughs> As, you know, but okay. So as as a black man, yeah. uh, you know, and and somebody who obviously is incredibly politically active, um, what are your what are your thoughts on that whole discussion of stop calling Kamala African American because she's Jamaican and Indian? Look, I had to put on my Facebook page. I had to put a very simple uh, explanation here. Jamaican is a nationality. Black is an ethnicity. There's a difference. You, Jamaican is not a race. That's a nationality. Black <laughs> is, an, is an ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Look, 85, but they would say, but the stuff. argument is, she's not African-American. She's she Jamaican-American. I, oh, I, I blame 80, devil's advocate. <laughs> 80% of, of the people who live in Jamaica, Jamaica have African right. heritage, yeah. African descent. Which is what her I just mentioned. Her <laughs> father is of African descent, mm-hmm. which makes her of African descent. Mm-hmm. She is an American citizen who was born in Berkeley, which makes her an American. Mm-hmm. So you put the two together, she's an African American. <laughs> Hello. Period. And, period. I just, and I hate that we're going to, that I see conservatives and activists on, on social media going down this rabbit Wasting hole. I agree. Rabbit I hole. totally agree. I think it is dumb. And I wasn't, I, I sensed it, but I wasn't going to say a word. And then I got a tweet, and I was like, well, one person, no big deal. And then I got another tweet, and then I got another tweet. And all these people. They're confusing ethnicity and nationality. Right. And yeah. they're not the same. Like no. Jewish Jamaican and Israeli. is a, is a nationality. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you, oh, that's I the know. country you're from. That's not your race. Exactly. Exactly. So African-American. And I think Kamala herself even identifies as African-American and uh, Asian Indian. When I, it's I convenient. Believe. Yeah, well, she, yeah. <laughs> she identifies as African-American. If you, if you look up, if you look up uh, 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 past news reports when she was elected senator, she was talking about how proud she was being the first Asian-American senator. And I'm proud of my Asian roots and blah, mm. blah. So it's whatever company Kamala is in, uh, that's what ratio. <laughs> well, be. hey, identity politics, that is unfortunately uh, the name of the game these days. All right, we went long there, but I really wanted to get in that entire discussion about the vice presidential pick. There's lots of other stories that happened this week. We are going to get into some more.
more of them as we continue through this first hour of the Weekend Report. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. That, of course, the music of Perry Woods. We use him as the soundtrack of the Weekend Report, local musician. Uh, download his music just about anywhere that you download music, Amazon, iTunes, all those places. And uh, if you don't download Perry's music, Download another local band and what, Chris? Tony has uh, oh uh, support local support music. local music. You got that <laughs> yeah, right. I just wanted to ask you is, is uh, he's has he been getting his royalty checks? Uh, oh yeah, absolutely, uh, sure, okay, absolutely, good. yes. We'll make sure. Yeah, just send it to him. He and I went. Uh, <laughs> he and I went fishing last weekend. I saw pictures great, of that. Yeah, had a great time. I told uh, you I want to go with water. you guys before the summer is. Yeah, out. we will. I I promise we will. Yeah, we need to. You we need to make that happen. ASAP. <laughs> Um, we were more than six feet apart. Oh, no, when we took the picture, I yeah. guess we weren't. Yeah. When we were fishing, we were definitely more than six feet apart. All right. So as I mentioned, uh, my partner, Chris Arps, can only stick around for uh, one more segment here. Uh, we're going to go a little bit long. We had a little long in that first hour. Go a little bit long here as well. And then uh, we have a bunch of guests coming in. We have Virginia Cruda from The Daily Caller, our buddy Skip Weber, uh, former Senator Jim Talent. So lots to get to in the weekend report still to come. But uh, while we still have you, Chris, let's yes. go through some of the headlines of the week. And we'll kind of go, uh, um, you know, a little rapid fire style, try to get to as many of these as many of these stories as we can. I'm going to actually tie three stories together right now uh, because they're all very related and get your reaction on the whole thing. I think this really paints a picture of where we're at in America. Uh, three big cities, Chicago, Seattle, and Portland, all made big news this week in the area of law enforcement. And, you know, a lot of these cities have been dealing with uh, crime rising and 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 protests and things like that. So here, I'll do all three stories, and then I want to get your thoughts. Uh, in Chicago this week, the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, uh, lashed out at reporters after being asked if crime is on the rise in her city because previous crimes have been committed without consequence. Uh, Lightfoot lashed out, said, no, 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 don't bait us. This is a serious situation. Uh, we do identify criminals. We do make those arrests. Don't bait us, mischaracterize, pit one against the other. We're not playing that. Uh, that's interesting that she's accusing the uh, uh, media of 
pitting people against each other and something that uh, the left usually likes to do, but I guess don't like to have uh, the tables turned. So we're seeing a rise in crime in Chicago. Many people think that that is because of the way that that city has been ran for so long and, um, you know, criminals being able to, to basically get away with it. In Seattle, we saw the police chief, Carmen Best, has been with the force for almost 30 years, the first ever black police chief in that city's history resigned after the city council voted seven to one to cut the police budget by four million dollars and up to 100 officers and with all the trouble they've already had in seattle uh chief best decided with a smaller budget and less officers the problem was only going to get worse and you know i I think that she just felt like that was not something that she could um you know lead the force through and then in portland They changed the law this week, uh, which allowed hundreds of people to be let out of jail with no consequences, no future charges. The new policy in Portland drops charges against people who were arrested for interfering with a peace or parole officer. Uh, It releases people that were arrested on disorderly conduct, on criminal trespass and harassment and riot. So if you were arrested in Portland for any of those things, uh, disorderly conduct, criminal trespass, harassment, riot, or interfering with a peace or parole officer, you are being let out with no charges pending in the future unless you have um, an accompanying charge of physical violence or property damage. I think this... These three stories paint a a real clear picture of where we are in many of these big cities. Um, Police officer, you know, police forces, budgets and officers being cut, uh, laws being changed to uh, to lighten penalties on criminals and things like that. Uh, When you hear those three stories, Chris, what's your uh, what's your reaction to them? Well, when I hear those three stories and. It really brings me back here home, Tony. I mean, it didn't happen this week, but you could throw in uh, uh, Kim Gardner arresting the McCloskeys Mm. who were trying to protect their own property while a mob breaks into their gated community and and harasses them. I think this is what we're seeing, a progressive movement of district attorneys, circuit attorneys all around the country from St. Louis to Chicago to you see uh, up in Portland and, and Seattle. I personally think that these mayors know that the cities are out of control, that they need a stronger police force. But, Tony, I think they're so beholden to the Antifa BLM, which Mm -hmm. is the Democrats' base right now, that they're afraid of angering them. And they're also afraid of angering angering them to the point where after sundown, they're coming out into the streets and rioting, rioting and looting. So I, I just think it's just a, a sad situation. It, I and think, I think these changes, these decisions being made by leaders in these cities are only going to make things worse, not better. Do you agree? I agree 100%. 100%. And I think uh, when when the election happens in November, I think the electorate is going to vote accordingly. The, the, the liberals think that America is Twitter. And they think that's America's mindset. And they're going to find out in November that people still want law and order in this country. Adding on to the Chicago portion of that story, the uh, one of the BLM organizers there, Ariel Atkins, 
was mm. uh, doing an interview this week, and she made the quote, I don't care if someone decides to loot a Gucci or a Macy's or a Nike store, because that makes sure that person eats. That makes sure that person has clothes. That is reparations. Anything they wanted to take, they can take it because these businesses have insurance. Wow. Yeah. I mean, when you're doing wrong or you're doing evil and you've convinced yourself that what you're doing is right, you come up with crazy <laughs> things like that. You know, that, that is, it's kind of the same argument that AOC used a couple of weeks back when she said these people were rioting and looting to, to eat, mm. to buy bread. Look, we also saw during the last riots where people were driving up in Range Rovers and in Rolls Royces in front of uh, stores and, and and stealing stuff. Do you remember that story oh, where yeah. people drove up in a Rolls yeah. Royce? And I don't think the people steal? and I I haven't I haven't analyzed the tapes too closely, but I don't <laughs> think the looters are taking just like what they need to wear and close their family and feed themselves it doesn't seem like that's the you mean the u-haul truck doesn't seem gave it away? Yeah, that doesn't seem to be the plan and and this whole thing about well these companies have insurance so they'll be okay what about all the employees what about the people that work in those stores that need that job to do the things that you just laid out they need to have that job so they can feed themselves and their family and they can put clothes on themselves and their family if those stores are gone those people cannot do that anymore. Why is the looter's right to eat and have clothes more important than the employees inside the stores? And 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 it's not just Gucci and Macy's and Nike that are getting looted and and you know attacked across the country. There's a lot of small businesses that that don't have those resources to fall back on. There's just there's so much wrong with that mindset. But that mindset continues to spread. Yeah, and what they don't realize, too, is that when they're rioting and looting these stores, that when these stores open back up, they're going to open back up with higher prices because the insurance company that paid for all of those losses, guess what? Their premiums are going to go up, and guess where they're going to uh, pass those – guess who they're going to pass those costs along to? You. That's why it always amazed me that when – you know, when there used to be grocery stores in the city, nationals and snooks and all that, and a lot of the activists and people would complain about the prices being higher uh, in the city than they were in the county. But they don't take into account that when you have to hire extra security guards to keep people from stealing the merchandise, and when people are stealing the merchandise, that they have to recoup those costs somewhere. And it's going to recoup those costs in higher prices. Mm hmm um, another story, to bring this back more locally here before we run out of time, I found this story fascinating. Families that have condos or uh, second homes at the Lake of the Ozarks are <laughs> trying to send their kids to school down there um, so they get out of these big cities and uh, many of the school districts that are not allowing kids to be in classes because they are going to be in classes apparently at all the districts uh, around the lake. And so schools at the Lake of the Ozarks claim that they have uh, that many families are fleeing the cities hit by rising crime and covid shutdowns. Uh, School of the Osage Superintendent Dr. Laura Nelson says the number one question she has been asked over the last couple months is we have a second home here. How do I uh, how do I enroll my kids in your school? So that's. 
that story is incredible to me. Yeah. That people that have a condo at the lake are trying to use that as their primary address so they can send their kids to school. They're willing to disrupt. I mean, a lot of those families, you know, live in Kansas City or St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And so they're willing to, you know, make a two or three hour disruption to their life by either moving everybody to the lake <laughs> or making long drives on weekly basis just to put their kids in school down there. And if you're willing to do that, you must really be fed up with what's happening at home. Does that I, that story really struck me? Does it does it strike you? And, and does it? really like drive home the mindset that many people are in right now it does and i actually i want to throw it back on you because i've i've been thinking about this um the last week or two when uh talk comes up with with sending kids back to school you know my daughter's 26 so i don't have to worry but worry about you know Mm -hmm. sending kids back to school but I, but I, and, and I'm not an alarmist type i'm the type of person you know you have to live your life you can't live your life in fear but I was wondering if I had a grade school or a, a high school student, would I send them to school mm-hmm. right now? I, you know, like I said, I'm not an alarmist. Right. I, I'm a type of person you got to live your life. But because I don't have to deal with it, I wasn't thinking about it too hard. But Tony, I mean, would I your send thoughts? my kid? I mean, are you apprehensive about sending your kids to school this fall? Like sending them into a classroom, or would yes, I classroom. would I make that change and like try to go to the lake? Um, no, a classroom. Are you? I mean, I would be uh, I would be comfortable with my kids in a classroom right now. I would need to. They would, you know, I I would need to see that that school is doing things like enforcing um, social distancing. And mask wearing for the older kids, maybe not, uh, you know, maybe not kindergartners or whatever. You know, there's there's kind of a line there where even doctors say, you know, at a certain age, you know, young, young kids, it's it's uh, um, almost a negative thing for them to wear masks. But like my senior in high school, you know, as long as she is as long as they are are doing all the right things, uh, sanitization wise, social distancing you know, I I would be completely fine with her going back to class. And I'll tell you this: both of my um, school age kids are desperate to go back to school. They want That's back in the classroom so badly, especially my high school senior. Um, you know, she was really upset at the end of last school year when she's in the orchestra. Um, you know, they missed out on their musical. She missed out on orchestra concerts. Uh, she missed out on her junior prom, but she kept telling herself, well, at least this didn't happen to me as a senior, and right. I won't miss all those experiences as a senior. And now it looks like she may miss some, if not all, of those experiences. So she desperately wants back in the classroom, and I would be and I would be okay with that as long as I knew that they were doing what, what needed to be done to be safe. I personally believe that shutting down things, schools, businesses, that's not the number one way to – to treat this virus. I think that hand washing, social distancing, mask wearing, I think those are all way more effective than closing things down. So that's where I'm Tony, at. Tony, I know your kids are geniuses and they get that from their from their mother's yeah, side. You got that right. But are they are they wanting to go back to school badly out of boredom or is it uh, I, I all, of the, all of the above. They miss their <laughs> friends. They miss their friends. They are, yeah, they're sick of being at home. Um, they sick of seeing they dad. miss their, yeah, they miss their the activities. You know, my uh, my younger daughter misses uh, gymnastics meets. 
My older daughter, you know, really misses the orchestra and, you know, being able to uh, uh, participate in those yeah. those school activities. And so it's it's across the board. It's it's they just, you know, they, they just want to get back to that life. Um, unfortunately, go ahead, Chris. We're about out of no, time. No, look, go ahead. look at it from look at it from our perspective, though. I look back at if I was at school during that time, I'd be like, man, a six month break. I don't ever want to yeah, go back. You know but what? Maybe I would but change to, well, do it online. They were that way, too, at first. And I think we would have been the same way. They loved it at first. But now yeah. it's like, OK, we're done. I, this is over. Yeah, I'm done. I'm ready to go back. I'm ready to go back. All right, so Chris Arps has got to go and be a, a, a big shot, very important person. So uh, <laughs> plug it. Uh, Please give the senator my regards. Yeah. Hey, um, before you go, plug um, uh, uh, podcasts, articles on Red State, all that stuff. Redstate.com, watercoolerpolitics.com, and you can catch me Sunday at 1130 on the Mike and the Judge show on ABC 30. There you go. Television for Chris Arps. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. We'll see you back here next week. And the Thanks, weekend guys. report rolls on. We'll talk to our buddy Skip Weber when we get back. 97.1 FM Talk. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If you lose me, you lose everything. Yeah, been a couple weeks since we've heard that song, which means only one thing. Our buddy Skip Weber joins us now on the weekend report. Skip, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm still mad that you won't let me come in in person, but I'm good. <laughs> it's not me. Don't put that on me. Um, well, I'm I, putting it as a giant you everybody over there. The man. I understand. And now, and now that Skip is back, um, suddenly Chris Arps is gone. Chris was with us for most of this first hour here, and then he had to go uh, to more important things, television. And uh, um, I don't know. I don't know if that's true that Chris really had to go or if he knew that you were coming on and said, I'm not ready to play uh, the Weird News Challenge yet, so I'm leaving. I think he's ducking you. I have I have my suspicions. I do too. I do too. <laughs> so unfortunately, we will not play the weird news challenge today, but we will play that again very soon. I already have the next game written. It's a um, it's one of the uh, special edition. Game? Yes, and uh, it it can be it's it's sort of evergreen, so we can wait another week on it. But I'm really looking forward to the next uh, opportunity to play the weird news challenge when we get Skip and Chris on the line at the same time. So, uh, Skip, we're talking uh, this hour about a lot of the news stories happening. Um, you know, there's a lot going on this week. One of the other big news stories that happened, and I know you're very involved, obviously, in the St. Louis community, and we talk a lot of sports here uh, with you on the show. Um, the St. Louis Blues are in the playoffs, and it doesn't feel <laughs> like that is happening at all. And they really? finally announced the St. Louis soccer team. Yeah, do, do, do you— do you do you uh, do you not feel that like I do? Oh I just, man, I'm all over it. Yeah, I mean, I I'm am. All over it. I, I personally I, uh, we am. We had a watching. Yeah, we ahead. had a watching party and uh, we had a watching party on uh, last night and 
And Wednesday night, I stayed up till you know whatever midnight fifteen. Right, horrible time was yeah, yeah. Man, I'm I'm all about it. That's cool. You know, I I'm on several uh, hockey threads online, and we were we've been all um, excited about it. So you know, I don't know. I've actually watched several games that weren't the Blues, which I didn't do last year. Did you watch that five overtime game? Any games, but but ours. uh, But I've I've been I've been following the Vegas. Vegas Blackhawks and the um, the Avalanche um, Coyotes, and actually even a couple of the I've watched a couple games on the East side. So, so I agree. I, I, I agree. I mean, like hockey fans, they're into it. It's normal. But I yeah. just feel like at nor on a normal year, and I know this year is anything but normal. When the when the Blues playoffs start. It's everywhere. It's it's people are talking about it, you know, and at work. It's on TV more. There's just kind of this buzz in the air. I don't feel that at all. And part of it also, I think, obviously has a lot to do with the city. It's August. Like normally, you you know, you normally you would drive through the city of St. Louis during the playoffs, and there's blues flags on the um, streetlights and things like that. Yeah. And you know, but just the, but none the of city it. lights are all blue. Yeah, city lights are, are blue right now. Yeah, I don't know. I I, just don't, I think it's go ahead. I think it's more. Um, I mean, everybody I know, uh, when I first talked to them, they you know on Thursday after we looked so so we we looked great on Wednesday night, mm-hmm. okay, and but lost and we lost by three goals, which doesn't indicate how good. I thought we outskated them. You know, we looked terrible in the round robin. Every, you yeah. know, all through the round robin. Uh, every time I saw any, but mo- most people I'd seen hadn't seen for a while. They, the first thing they asked me was, "Was what? What? What are the Blues doing?" You know. So then uh, Thursday, we looked great, and and everybody's all panicking. You know, I don't, I don't know. I think, uh, I think it's a little bit. Um, it's just weird. The whole world's weird. You know? I think and the it, reason and why weird it's too. weird is because everything's weird. I mean, yeah. the news leads exactly. off with coronavirus, no matter what. Yeah. And it doesn't need to, and it's just dumb. And I, I think the other thing that might be pushing it back uh, almost as much as coronavirus is the election year, which I'm sure if Chris, Chris Arps were here, he would say coronavirus uh, is part of the election year anyway, but um, uh, or at least you know, the small yeah. part. But you know, I think that the fact that there's, there's so much politics in the news that everything has to lead off with. So that's why, yep. you know, certainly the sports, I agree, sports portion of the newscast is is very very good with blue, very yeah. very full of blues. But last year, yes, you're right. The very the lead story every night on every sports on every newscast was the blues. Mm-hmm. But this year they got a couple. We just don't feel it. Uh, only only about it. So, two minutes left here, Skip. I, I, to me, I've been we were counting down the. I had yeah. several friends of mine were counting down the days so hockey started. I watched a couple preseason games. Yeah. We, we got into the uh, five game series with the round robins, and I don't know. It's, it's, I've been pretty excited by it. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thrilled to have sports back. Amen to that. Amen to that. Uh, only a couple minutes left. What's happening at Weber Chevrolet and uh, on tonight's Saturday evening rock show? I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago. How it's it's sell down time this time of year. Every August, back to school sell down for example this year in 2020 we would have very few 2020s left or you know maybe a few but not many and those would have gigantic incentives and we'd have 2021s on the lot that don't have hardly any incentives we'd start be trickling selling those but we'd be just massively interested in the giant incentives to sell down and, and remove the previous model year or the current model year. It's pre- next one's coming in 
Well, this year, I still have hundreds of 2020s on my on the way to the lot from wow. production because of the production shutdown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they're still doing the closed-down type prices. It's still gigantic, ten, eleven, twelve thousand dollar $12,000 discounts Whew. because um, Chevrolet and General Motors is very, very, um, you know, pro keep it going and yeah. keep sales going, yeah. you know, in the face of, you know, maybe people that are a little bit nervous to come out or whatever. So um, those are great. But, but instead of having me saying, hey, you got $10,000 off this, but you better hurry because there's only a few left. Now it's, hey, you got $10,000 off this, and you can pick anyone you want. And it's just a little bit weirder of a vibe this time of year uh, than normal because it, that's so we're so unused to saying, yeah, whatever you want. Yeah. Hey, you like that color? As a matter of fact, right. um, if you don't like that color, I have the exact same vehicle, same price. It'll be here Thursday. Um, you can buy it. You can put your deposit on it now. And that's yeah. happening right and left. That is incredible. Um, that is definitely. We have had a return in a small number of requests of people that are asking to meet off-site instead of coming in, which is fine. We're still doing that. Uh, that kind oh, of has cool. gone away, not because of us, but because no one wanted to anymore. <laughs> so it's just a little bit different. But the deals are still great. And on top, the last piece of the puzzle is um, the, the handful of things that I already have, 2021s, already have some deals on it, already have some incentives from Detroit. So, wow. You know, we always put our discount on it. So those are kind of – that's a little bit different uh, vibe too. Yeah, that's awesome. So a lot of interesting awesome. things makes it a great time to shop for a car. Yeah, and people need to take advantage of that. Of course, you can check out um, a lot of that information on WeberChevrolet.com. And, of course, stick around tonight for the number one music show on a talk station in the world, the Saturday evening rock show, 9 to 11 Tonight on 97.1 FM Talk. Uh, Of course, follow the Saturday Evening Rock Show on their Facebook page as well. Skip, thanks for your time today, sir. Hope we uh, get a chance to talk next week. Hey, thanks, Tony. We'll we'll see you. You bet. All right, we got to take a break, and we've got a packed second hour coming up. We will talk to Virginia Cruda from The Daily Caller and Senator Jim Talent. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. It is the second hour of the Weekend Report on the radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Carl Middleman, who is in for Frank this week. And my partner, Chris Arps, who was with us for (laughs) most of that first hour, had to go because he uh, apparently has better things to do than his radio show. I heard he didn't want to talk to the (laughs) senator. (laughs) That's what I'm going to go with. That's definitely what I'm going to go with. No, Chris uh, uh, had to do some television today, which is really, really cool. So um, I will be here uh, throughout this second hour with Carl, and we are going to talk to our friend Virginia Cruda from The Daily Caller in a little bit. And right now, as we mentioned, joining us on... On the phone is former United States Senator Jim Talent. Senator, always great to talk with you, sir. How are you? 
Uh, I'm doing very well. I'm um, <laughs> really pleased about this development in the Middle East. Yeah, We're I, trying I, to dictate the terms of the interview, but this is really, really no, big. This was uh, this was the where I was going to go with you first. After, um, of course, making you aware that uh, Chris left because he said he didn't want to talk to you. So I just want to make sure that you knew that. <laughs> And then well, I was tell him I'm, I'm going to remember that. Gonna, <laughs> um, oh, he's doing TV. Yeah, Let him do the TV. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, um, no, it was— He had a question the for The first you, thing, yeah, the first thing that we wanted to talk to you about, and in fact, Chris uh, asked me to ask you this question from him. Uh, we'll start with, it, with the basics. How big of a deal is this agreement between Israel and uh, the UAE? Well, it's really big. Yeah, you have to understand that uh, after the '67 war, uh, the the uh, state, the Arab states in the region had the you know the three no's: no peace with Israel, uh, no negotiations with Israel, and no recognition of Israel. Mm. And that dam began to break with Egypt, and then with Jordan, Egypt in the '70s, Jordan in the '90s, and now we have the UAE. And the UAE would never be doing this if the Saudis didn't approve, which means. Mm. If we can continue these policies which have which have led to this, and I do think you have to give the Trump administration credit here, uh, it, there's a signal that we may get the Saudis. And if we get the Saudis, uh, we have a real chance now to solve the issue with the Palestinians. Now, that's not the I mean, that's not going to create peace and nirvana in the Middle East, even if we can do that, because the bigger issue really is constraining Iranian ambitions. But uh, a solution to that would be hugely helpful. So this is, you know, Trump says things are huge. This is huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's very, very big. And uh, I think uh, he deserves a lot of credit. I mean, it's, it's the I'll let you ask another question. Yeah. But I mean, well, it's it's no, uh, American policy is has, has really midwife this. Can you explain what it means to uh, fully normalize relations? Because that's, you know, basically what this treaty does is it normalizes uh, the relationship between the UAE and Israel. And can you explain uh, what that means and all the things that uh, uh, a quote unquote normal uh, relationship entails? Well, there's, there's uh, you know, you have an ambassador, you have an embassy, you, you, you talk directly to each other, not through proxies. You, uh, you know, you come to different kinds of agreements that countries typically, typically do come to, trade, mm-hmm. extradition, all of that. In this context— Tourism, what it is, right? Is, Direct flights, yes, tourism. All that, that, yeah. Right, all mm-hmm. that, yeah. In this context, what it means is the recognition— uh, and therefore the acceptance of Israel as a Jewish state by uh, a Gulf state, mm-hmm. okay? The UAE and possibly followed by the Saudis and Bahrain. And, okay, what that means is it's a message to the Palestinian leadership, look, we're not going to support you in your attempts to delegitimize Israel and coerce and overthrow the Jewish state. And so what that means is you guys better make a deal. Mm-hmm. And a deal has always been possible if the Palestinian leadership wanted it. Uh, now, the exact terms of it, we can argue about, and they will, right. obviously. But so that's what's so important about this. And we got it because uh, Trump made Iran mm-hmm. and constraining Iran uh, the priority of American foreign policy, which enabled us to reassemble a partnership with the Gulf states in Jordan and Egypt, 
okay? Mm-hmm. And by moving the embassy to Jerusalem and, and signaling American support for Israel, he sent the message that, look, you know, you're working with the United States on Iran. We are not backing away from Israel. You need to find a way to live, you know, with Israel. And, um, and then he restored the credibility of American power largely by taking out Qasim Soleimani, if you'll recall, when, yeah. he, when he did that, which was a really a brilliant stroke. So it created the right conditions. Senator, and, what, um, was, what was the relationship prior to this? Because you know, obviously, as you've illustrated, it's such a big deal um, for a, another Middle East country to it's even simply recognize Israel, but to, you know, to go further and have you know and sign an, an agreement like this. What is what's the UAE and Saudi Arabia and some of those other uh, Middle East states that we consider an ally? What is their relationship with Palestine and Iran? Is it as contentious as ours is, or do they kind of try to play both sides? Well, in the past, they've supported and funded uh, the PLO, which is not mm-hmm. so bad, but also. Um, I mean, a lot of that money has found its way to Hamas. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when you have when you have states with this kind these kind of resources and authority uh, saying, uh, "Look, we can accept Israel. You have to accept Israel." Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, another key factor here, and I mean, they don't say you have to, accept, but that's that's the message. That's the message. Right? Another, another key factor here is that the Israelis were preparing to annex in some way, shape, or form uh, new parts of the West Bank, which was, I think, also an event, and, and, and the United States supported that. And so what that was saying was, look, if, if you don't get off the dime and, and negotiate, okay, you know, we've been trying to do this for decades, we're just going to go ahead and annex it, okay? Mm-hmm. So it created the right incentives uh, and the support of the United States for Israel, which the Trump administration has shown, was crucial to all of this. And I think they just they, – uh, I've preached this for decades, that if you want peace in the Middle East, the United States needs to be supportive of its ally, Israel, because that sends the message to everybody else that you might as well pursue a peaceful solution because you're not going to be able to succeed through violence or coercion or war. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just very pleased at this now. You know, it's going to take some time for them to set all this up and do the rest of it. And I'm sure it's been in the work for a long time. One of the things I'm I'm uh, really surprised by it is, is it didn't leak. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No kidding. That's a great yeah. point. That's a great point. Talking to Senator Jim Talent about the agreement between the UAE and Israel this week. Um, Senator, one of the things that the president said when he was making this announcement was you know that that we've illustrated is is definitely a a, a very big deal and a, and a big you know a big win uh, for the president quite frankly uh, the president said that there are other countries and he named a few like uh, Iran and North Korea and China and Russia he said there are other countries around the world that are ready to m- make agreements with the United States uh, they're ready right now. But they are, in his words, wisely waiting until after the election because they would rather deal with they would rather negotiate with Joe Biden than Trump. So they're waiting to see what happens in this election. And if they have to, you know, basically what he was implying was, are they going to have to, 
you know, sign the agreements that we've already worked on because, you know, and deal with Trump? Or can they start over with Biden? Do you believe the president when he says that? Does he have agreements with some countries around the world that are ready to go, but they're, you know, waiting to see what happens in our election before they make that decision? Well, of course, ready to go. Could yeah. cover a lot of ground. Sure, what, what sure. I, yeah. But that's, what, what that's I, I think, what he said, ready to sign. Like, he said, right. we're, we have other agreements that are ready to be signed. You know, he said something like that. But, right, what does that mean? I do believe that, in particular, the Chinese uh, are waiting and hoping that it will not be Trump. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to be overly partisan here. Uh, I'm not sure how Biden would handle the Chinese issue. But they know what Trump is going to do, which is engage in a robust fashion the elements of American national power to constrain Chinese ambitions and aggression. I mean, they've seen it. They know what this is going to be if Trump's president. And they might well think that they would have an easier person to deal with with Biden. And I think it's quite legitimate of Trump to draw the contrast. That's what campaigns are about. I like to see him do it more often talk more about his successes and just say, look, uh, compared to what I mean, he's he's basically repaired the damage that was done in the Middle East by the Obama Biden administration. And so I think it's very legitimate. Now, again, the president knows I don't know if there's a piece of paper someplace with a dotted line that they would sign on, that they'll <laughs> right. sign on January or right. November the sixth. Right. Really like, well, let me just—I doubt that. Right. Okay? Yeah. yeah. But I do think that there that that it is set up to take the next step with some of these countries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but they may very well figure they'll get a better deal with the new administration. Only got a few minutes left here with Senator Jim Talent. Uh, Senator, obviously, I, I got to ask you about uh, the big news of the week, which is, of course, uh, Joe Biden selecting Kamala Harris to be his running mate. Uh, what was your reaction to that pick? And do you think it's a smart one uh, for uh, the Biden campaign? Well, I wasn't surprised at all by the pick. She's who I would have guessed. Mm-hmm. Uh, in certain respects, I would think Susan Rice might have been better, but she's not tested in a campaign setting. And I think that makes a big difference. I think it's a safe choice uh, for Biden. Um, I'm skeptical that um, Senator Harris is going to prove to be a powerhouse on the campaign trail. Uh, I don't think she did when she was running. Uh, So I don't I don't think this changes the equation at all in terms of the election. But I think it's pretty safe for him. Uh, he wasn't going to get criticized with it. Now we'll see. Uh, as the you know, as his as his left wing, uh, they were very upset about what Harris did in terms of prosecution. So we'll see how that plays. I think it was a safe choice. I don't think it changes the dynamic of the election. I think if Trump talks about his record, his domestic record, his economic record, his record in terms of these foreign policy achievements, um, and is consistent and disciplined in doing it, I think he has an excellent chance to win. You know, last question, Senator. I think a lot of us thought that this more extreme socialist wing of the Democratic Party that was getting a lot of attention was a, a fad. And it was going to, you know, it wasn't something that was going to be embraced by the mainstream and may, you know, start to die out. 
Well, that hasn't happened yet. We saw um, Jamal Bowman in uh, in New York defeat Elliot Engel. Of course, here in St. Louis, we saw Corey Bush defeat Lacey Clay. So we're seeing more establishment Democrats getting knocked out by these extreme, you know, quote unquote, squad members. Ilhan Omar, you know, there was all this talk that she was going to be defeated in Minnesota this week. And and that didn't happen. Um is is this new Democratic Party more appealing, you think, to the American voter than the old Democratic Party? Or are they are they running away from the voters? Yeah, I don't think um, the influence of uh, this new this group is going to help them electorally. Mm-hmm. But I do think they're acquiring a lot more influence within the party. And it's mm-hmm. exactly for the reason that you said. I mean, AOC won her primary and Elliot Engel lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people can, you know, the, the the other politicals can look at it. If you're Chuck Schumer, you're scared right now. Yeah. And so you're going to move to the left to try and, and they have. I mean, we've seen it in what they're saying they're going to do uh, in, in, uh, in, in so many of them getting behind uh, an anti-law enforcement agenda, which is in a certain respects very extreme, and that's not going to help them. So, I, yeah, I, now, is, is the Democratic Party a socialist party? No. But is, are they being pulled in that direction by this group? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I, don't, I don't think it'll play well. So, yeah. again, it's an opportunity for Trump and Republicans to talk about what he's achieved, but then also to talk about the contrast. Senator, do you have any new articles that people can check out? Uh, not since last week. I did. If people look at my uh, Twitter. Uh, I did one on the pandemic, um, but nothing since then. Gotcha. Very good. Senator Jim Talon, thank you so much, as always, for your time. Look forward to talking to you again very soon, sir. Okay. Thank you. You bet. All right. We have got to take another quick break. When we get back, we will talk to Virginia Cruda from The Daily Caller on The Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Carl Middleman. My Hello. partner, Chris Arps, had to uh, step Be out on the do, TV. to do some television. So it's just Carl and I taking you through this second hour. Big thank you to Senator Jim Talent for joining us in that last segment. If you missed the discussion with the senator or you'd just like to hear it again. Or you want to back up and find out where Chris said he would say the exact opposite of what he oh, did. That's a good say. point. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a great point. You can do so by downloading our podcast. Uh, you get the podcast for the show just about anywhere that you get podcasts. But I recommend the Radio.com app because the Radio.com app is basically one-stop shopping for everything here at the station. First of all, it's free. And once you download the Radio.com app, you favorite 97.1 FM talk, 
Then you can stream the station 24-7, no matter where you're at. You can rewind live radio up to 24 hours, I believe, which is incredible. Uh, so if you would hear that interview with Jim Talent and you just want to say, what did he say? And you hit rewind and go back and right there, you got it again. And of course, you can download the podcast of this and every other show on the station. And again, all of that right there on the radio.com app. So please go and check that out. And joining us now on the phone, as I mentioned, our friend Virginia Cruda from The Daily Caller. Uh, Virginia, thanks for your time today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am good. So I, I overheard there at the break when Carl was getting you on the line, he was he was yelling into the phone, save it for the air, save it for the air. <laughs> and he said that you were uh, uh, laughing at a headline that you just read. So I got to oh, I yeah, got to know. I, I got to know what um, what what caught your eye right before you came on the air with us. Well, the headline was from The Hill. OK. And it's on Twitter. And I actually did retweet it. Um, with my own comment, but it was, they were talking about, um, it was President Obama accusing President Trump (laughs) of taking responsibility for nothing, but taking credit for everything. Yeah, that's about right. Wait, wait. So um, it's one of those pot kettle things. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Don't all politicians do that? I mean, I mean, yeah, I Obama mean, does it. Trump definitely does it. Right. Right. I mean, right. take credit for it's all the good say, stuff. Yeah. And it's it's just it's just interesting that we have come so far from the buck stops here and actually meaning it because mm. they all say the buck stops here. And the question, the question is, do they act as if the buck stops here? And I think some more than others, and in some situations sure. more than others. But just the irony yeah. of, the, the, you know, the fact that it, you know, the slowest economic recovery since World War II, and then as soon as Trump gets the economy going again, well, that's the Obama economy. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was. Um... No. I thought it was Not. amazing to hear. I'm just going to dive right in because there's so many stories that I want to uh, talk to Virginia about. Um, but this is a, a perfect point and and, and uh, an aspect of this, uh, the vice president situation this week that we haven't covered yet. Um, okay. One of the things that so we've been talking, we talked to Senator Talon in that last segment when Chris was here in the first hour, we you know broke down. Uh, the vice president pick and getting everybody's thoughts on it. And we'll, we'll do that as well. But one of the things that we haven't talked about, um, and I want to get your thoughts on, and you just sort of touched on it when Kamala Harris was making, I think her first um, uh, speech along with Joe Biden. And and she was talking about, you know, all the good things that Joe Biden and her uh, have done and can do in the future and all the bad things about Donald Trump. She brought up that, what you just said, she called it the uh, Obama-Biden economy and said that mm-hmm. the, the longest, uh, uh, most prosperous economy we've ever seen that was started by uh, Obama and Biden and Donald Trump, I think her words were, and Donald Trump does what he does to everything. As soon as he put his hands on it, he destroyed it. And there's a big hole in the middle of that logic because coronavirus like she, then well, she says yeah, she says I, the I economy's think... in the toilet and unemployment is through the roof and it's all because of Donald Trump and there I don't, are a few things that's, missing that's, from that yeah there's a yeah but there's one huge one but yeah 
I, I don't know. Do people do people really fall for that? Are there voters out there that go, wow, he really did ruin the economy. He really did. I mean, everybody I knows about coronavirus. Are, I think there are some. I think I think most people, if you nail them down, will realize that the economic woes that we are facing right now are the immediate aftermath of a pandemic. They are not a and you know what what really gets me is people who talk about oh obama the longest economic recovery it's the longest economic recovery because the hole was so deep it takes a while to dig out of that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and and the fact that you were doing it so slowly i mean if you're if you're in debt you know a billion dollars and you're paying back a dollar a week it's going to take you um you know longer than your lifetime and you don't really get credit for doing that. You know, you're doing the bare minimum. Right. So then, but so, so to say that, you know, Donald Trump, as soon as he put his hands on it, no, it took three years and a pandemic. To, to crash it. Yeah. To, to crash it. Because, you know, he was going up for three years. Right. Right. And, and, he, and, and, and to me, it's not even a, I, I mean, I, it's not a Trump thing. It's not an Obama or Biden thing. It's not a Republican or Democrat thing. If there was a Republican, uh, if, it, if, the, if, if it was currently a Democrat in office and they went through this and the Republican was standing up there saying that the, this Democratic president has uh, has driven up these unemployment numbers uh, on the on the heels of a, a pandemic where the where millions of businesses were closed, jobs were taken away like i i would i would just roll my eyes and and you know and and refute that so it's not it's not a partisan thing it's just it's just a ridiculous statement to say that one person has created this uh unemployment situation when we are in a pandemic where there's so many businesses across the country that are closed that 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 side fought the Democrats are the ones that wanted to close everything and keep everything closed. So they're the ones fighting for these jobs to be gone and then wanting to blame the fact that there's no jobs on the president. And that's and that's the other thing. Well, and, and the, uh, Kamala Harris, she said so many things that were prob- problematic in that <laughs> in that speech. But the other one that jumped out at me was the comparison. Like she tried to make an apples to apples comparison between the e- Ebola epidemic of 2014 and the coronavirus pandemic, which, number one, Mm-mm. Ebola didn't even meet the threshold for a pandemic because there weren't enough countries involved and weren't enough cases in those countries. It had a much higher death rate, but a much lower infection rate. Because we're talking, I think, 60% of the people who got it died. I mean, that's right. huge. Yeah, yeah. If, if even close to the number of people had been infected when that, when that was going around, I, I mean— that would have been crazy. Yeah. But as it was, I think 11 people were treated in the U.S., only seven people contracted it in the U.S., and only two of them died. And, and what's so the she's point talking you're... about how that's leadership. No, yeah. no, that's a disease that behaves in an entirely different fashion. Yeah, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison. It, and where are you like, going with okay, that so when, you're, when you're Kamala Harrison? Where are you going with that? Because a lot of Democrats are upset with the president for not reacting fast enough, for not closing down the country fast enough, for not— But if you're going to say, well, look how Barack Obama handled a, a pandemic, this is the way to do it. He didn't close anything because of Ebola. We didn't well, shut down the know, economy the, because the of better, Ebola. The better comparison is um, H1N1. And even Obama's um, 
his officials will tell you, and, and they've, they've said this, I can't remember which guy said it, um, but H1N1 went away because he got lucky, not because he didn't do, because he did the right thing. As far as the response to H1N1, like it was, I mean, it was pretty contagious. It was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty infectious, not quite to this point. And I don't know, um, I don't know enough statistics to really get into that. Right. But but I can. And it's also that something that's been around for a long time. H1N1 has been around for a yeah. hundred years. You know, we, it, it right. wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a brand novel. new, exactly. It wasn't something right. nobody had ever seen before. Um, what do you, just to rewind a little bit, um, sure. overall, uh, Kamala Harris, is she um, helpful or does she hurt the Biden campaign? You know, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because I've I've heard a couple people say this, and I kind of agree. Um, she doesn't really solidify the African American vote, I don't think, because of her her past as a prosecutor and how that kind of butts heads with the Black Lives Matter movement right now and defund the police. So everything that she bragged about really doesn't do anything with, for her with the far left. Now she does have a hard left Senate record, but the guys outside out on the street protesting at three in the morning, they're not looking at her Senate record. <laughs> right. Good they're point. looking at what she said. And she stood on the debate stage talking about how she was going to prosecute the case against Donald Trump. And they're not really big fans of prosecutors. Are the people uh, that are out protesting at 3 a.m., are they going to vote? Oh, I don't know. I guess it depends on if they can do it by phone or not. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> Sorry, that my my, and this is my theory, and I will I will say I will die on this hill when vote by phone is a thing. Oh my goodness! Um, America will be socialist in one cycle. Oh no, kidding! No kidding! Because because when oh don't don't I, be surprised when when somebody pitches a voting app for the whole country. Yeah, oh no, I know, and like and that's going to happen. Harris, they've got they've got a, a clip of her circulating from about 2015 when she talks about how. Um, kids age she's she's using it to make the push i think for gun control and uh she says kids age 18 to 24 are stupid but she also <laughs> wants 16 year olds to vote so make up your mind right, right. yeah, I, yeah I, don't, I don't i there there are so many things wrong with it but but i will say i will say this um kamala harris i think the reason that she was chosen was one for the optics because Biden already dis- already said he was going to choose a woman. Mm-hmm. There has been a lot of stink about it needs to be a woman of color, right? And so she checks off the boxes that he wants, but also um, she can go out and attack Donald Trump. In, and like I I think her role in this campaign is to do to Donald Trump what she tried to do to Brett Kavanaugh. Like that's why she mm. was chosen. Mm. Because they want her to prosecute Trump in the court of public opinion the way she and the rest of the senators did to Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. And I just, you know, you want to talk about attacks against her being sexist. I want to talk about what she did to Brett Kavanaugh's wife and daughters. Great point. Great point. And, you know, she will be she'll be better at uh, at at articulating that that argument against Trump, then I think Joe mm-hmm. Biden will. Yep. But the question is, are the voters going to buy it? Is she going to come off as likable and as fighting for good, you know, fighting for the yeah. right side? Or is she going to come off? I'm sure she's going to do a good job at, you know, at, at being the prosecutor. 
But if you but if you look like no. you're a bully while you're doing that and you look mean and you look like he, you're not telling the truth, then just because you're good at it doesn't mean it's going to yeah. work. I, and I don't I don't know about that because I think what what a lot of people have forgotten in in the can you believe it's been like two years since since the Kavanaugh confirmation? That's nuts. Um, yeah, I know it's it's like another lifetime. But everything she said about Brett Kavanaugh, every allegation, accusation she parroted as I believe this and this is the truth. And how can you allow him to get this job if he did this? There has still been not one piece of those allegations corroborated by a by a, mm-hmm. a, a reputable source. Everything is accusation without backup. Everything. And if you see if you remember that and then you realize that's what she's she's been hired to do for against President Trump. Yeah. I, I think that the way the way to combat this is to demand evidence at every turn. No, no, you don't get to say that yeah. unless you have. Well, that would require the media about. to do that. <laughs> and I don't know that uh, I, I think that we're going to have to be right. doing that a lot uh, ourselves. Oh, no, they're already running cover for her. They're yeah, already absolutely. saying that if you if you criticize her, you're a sexist. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, her, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, it's going to be difficult to do phony. that. Yep. And. It's- and uh, Chris Saliza at CNN said, well, you know, this is what they say about women when they when they want them to look bad. Well, you know, Trump called uh, Michael Cohen phony. He called, there's a whole list. I tweeted it a couple of days ago. There's a whole list of people who are not women that Trump called phony. So this yeah. is not a sexist comment. Absolutely. And, and to suggest that it is is cheap and dishonest. Yeah. That is our friend Virginia Cruda from The Daily Caller. If you want to get some of those uh, true fact checks um, or, you know, get the uh, get the facts, The Daily Caller and Virginia's article is a great place to go and do that. Uh, Virginia, how can people uh, read your stuff and follow you on social media? Uh, at dailycaller.com is where there's a lot, and we got a lot of stuff covering what's coming out from the Durham probe, which is not small oh, potatoes yeah, right no, now. No, it's not. Um, and uh, I also, uh, my stuff occasionally tweeted at dailycaller.com, but also at VA Cruda. And sometimes I put up the occasional fact check when people like Chris Eliza say things that are crazy. <laughs> there you so, go. Virginia, you go. Virginia Cruda, thank you so much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you again real soon. All right. They got to take another quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk to a brand new old sponsor, my chiropractor, Dr. Ed Ernstrom. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll talk to Dr. Ed when we get back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Sounds of Perry Woods, of course, the soundtrack of the Weekend Report. Our buddy Perry 
local musician. Find his music on Amazon, iTunes, anywhere that you download music. Uh, download Perry's music. Download other local bands and support local music. That is uh, an industry that has been hit hard by the uh, pandemic and uh, all the shutdowns. You know, the uh, the gig employees mm-hmm. have been hit very, very hard. So uh, support local music when you can. Welcome back to the Weekend Report. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Carl Middleman. Hello. And uh, my partner Chris Arps had to be on TV, so he had to leave us a little early today because he's a big shot. Sunday uh, morning so on Channel 30, I yeah, believe. There you go. So we've been uh, taking you through this second hour. Been a uh, packed show. We have talked about everything today. Uh, we had Chris with us for most of that first hour. We also talked to Skip Weber. We talked to Virginia Cruda from The Daily Caller. We talked to former United States Senator Jim Talent. And if you missed any of it, make sure you download our podcast. Uh, Radio.com, I think, is the best place to get our podcast. Just favorite 97.1 FM talk. And then you can stream the station 24-7. You can rewind live radio and you can download the podcast of this and every other show. Now, joining us on on the line is a uh, I introduced Dr. Ed uh, as a new old sponsor, Dr. Ed Ernstrom, my chiropractor from Ernstrom Spinal Rehab. Doc, great to talk with you, my friend. How are you? Doing well, Tony. How's life for you? I I am uh, I'm doing all right. I I'm I'm hanging in there. And I mentioned uh, I introduced you earlier as a new old sponsor because. Uh, you are back sponsoring uh, the show and the radio station here, but uh, a lot of listeners will remember that uh, you were uh, uh, with us for years, but then there was some big changes. You have moved offices, you have upgraded, you've expanded, and uh, Ernstrom Spinal Rehab uh, is uh, is even better than it used to be, and so uh, we're, we're so glad to have you back um, and uh, I am I'm always excited to talk to people about uh, what a great impact that you have had on my life, all the pain that you have saved me from. But uh, for people that are just kind of being reintroduced to you and what you do out there, uh, tell everybody about uh, Ernstrom Spinal Rehab. Well, yeah, uh, it's um, it's kind of interesting in the time of COVID that uh, this is a time of newer new beginnings and new uh, <laughs> new uh, point. opportunities and getting back to some old opportunities. So, no, I'm glad to be back with you again, Tony, on the radio. Yeah. Um, but just to do a brief introduction of what to expect from Ernstrom Spinal Rehab and me, Dr. Ed, when you do come to see me. Um, it's, a, it's still a small office, but at the same point, you get great quality care. You get 100% of my attention. Uh, and you don't just walk in and then you're just being handed off from one employee to the next. You come in, you see me directly. Yeah. And 100% of the time that you're in my office. And, you know, to be expected, chiropractic care um, is hands-on, um, joint manipulation. So if you're kind of squeamish to that or you have unnatural fears about that, come and talk to me about that. I can actually help talk you through the process and how it's actually as safe as tying your shoes. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not complicated, but there's a process, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's this great machine in my office that I know that you love the most is my laser. Yes. That treats anything from inflammation, tissue healing, wound care to um, sprained ankles, muscle tears, general back pain, headaches, sinus problems, whatever, right? Um, and then I do a full spectrum of all the rock tape products and services. And rock tape is a kinesiology tape company. 
that um, if you've seen the Olympics or professional athletes that have the black, beige, pink, or blue tapes on them, mm-hmm. uh, Rock Tape is just another brand of kinesiology tape, and I use their full services plus soft tissue um, tools like cupping and um, A-STEM tools, and I, I just have a working knowledge on sports rehabilitation and exercises and stretches. So there's not – if there's got a muscle, ligament, or joint, or if you're hurting in any way – I usually find a way around to find an answer yeah. and get you better. And I can and I can speak to that personally. And yeah, you're a chiropractor, and so if you have back pain, you know you should go to the chiropractor. And Doctor Ed can help you tremendously with your back pain. But I tell people all the time. It's not, and you just touched on it, it's not just back pain. I talk about how much you've done for my migraine headaches, and you just even mentioned things like sinuses. And if you, you know, if you have an injury in your leg or your arms or your shoulder, um, you know, the chiropractor, Dr. Ed, can can help you with those things as much as you can you can help people with your backs. Am, am I right about that? Yeah, I'm going to be pretty quick here. I'm going to tell about two new uh, recent cases because I always like to, you're only as good as what you've just done re- recently. Huh. Um, so just in the last month, I had a young man, he's probably about 19 years old, fell off his bike and fractured his wrist. Now, very fortunately, if you have a fracture and you are, instead of casted, they splint you, which you can remove. I can treat that with my laser and my outcomes, again, this is all anecdotal. I don't, there's no white paper research out there, but my experience is that most things that orthopedists will tell you that'll take um, six to eight weeks to recover from, I can usually do in about three to four weeks. So usually mm-hmm. cut the, uh, the healing time in half because mm-hmm. it accelerates the tissue healing. Um, same thing with ankle sprains, same thing with muscle tears, um, all types of injuries are just two to three times faster than normal. And then just recently I had um, another young woman that had, she's been having two to three headaches a week. And, you know, just through my course of treatments, uh, she's at least down to one headache a week. My goal is to get anyone that comes in with anything more than one headache a month to get to less than one headache a month because yeah. that's what I have perceived to be the normal average in the United States. And that's On exactly average in the entire world. That's exactly have less my than experience. One headache a year. Yeah, that's exactly my On experience. Average. Being yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> and you know, so, and as you yeah, know, we need we have we're a long way away from that. But um, ergonomics and. Uh, uh, industrialized world and uh, smartphones and computers and TVs and book reading and driving cars kind of contribute to a lot of the mechanical stuff. Yeah. And I've mentioned it. I mean, the headaches thing for me, migraine headaches. So the two of my biggest issues pain wise that I have dealt with my whole life is back pain and migraine headaches. And in you have been instrumental in both of those areas. I can um, personally uh, testify to the fact that I, you know, it wasn't maybe once a week, but it was definitely multiple multiple times a month uh, that I would that I would experience a migraine headache, and you know that just stops everything. It just shuts down your life oh, yeah. when you're experiencing that. And now I get a few migraine headaches um, a year instead of a few a month. And and the only difference, the only thing that I've done different is go see you. So there's no I've done anything else to to treat my headaches. Um, so it, it's it's obviously you know the treatment that I've been getting 
uh, from you that has helped uh, with the headaches. And and I notice also when I get lax and I don't go see you and, you know, and I miss a few weeks or something, the headaches start to come back. So um, it's absolutely amazing. And I just wanted to touch on, we only have a couple minutes left, but I wanted to go back and touch on something that you mentioned at the beginning um, about how it's hands-on and it's joint manipulation. One of the great things uh, about you, Dr. Ed, and I don't know about other chiropractors because I have very limited experience with other chiropractors, but I tell people all the time, like my wife, you know, she doesn't like the neck crack. And so I say, just tell them you don't want the neck crack. You know, if, if you if you're if you don't if you're uncomfortable with a particular, uh, you know, popping or joint manipulation or whatever, just tell Dr. Ed, uh, I'm not ready for that. I want to skip that. And it's it's not like you're it's not like you're forced to, you know, if you're in the chiropractor's office, whatever the chiropractor says, that's what you got to do. Um, I don't know if it's like that with other people, but I know that you are have always been uh, very easy to communicate with. And for me, that is um, a big part of of why I think that you uh, would be great for many people in our audience. So, yeah, just like any other healthcare professional that, you know, we have strong recommendations. We have encouragements. We have things that we want to do because we feel comfortable doing it because that's our specialty, right? So if somebody as a chiropractor like myself, I feel very comfortable manipulating anybody, whether they're a one-year-old one week year old mm-hmm. uh, sorry one week old baby mm-hmm. or i even have my oldest patient right now is 97 years old wow and anything in between so as far as what i like to do when i'm doing my adjustment i only work as hard as i need to i i'm I, I think that working efficiently is what's going to allow me to have a longer career to help more people through the through the decades but at the same point if somebody is resisting me a lot I need to work harder. And if they're not resisting at all, I don't have to work as hard. But then again, there's the unnatural fears that sometimes people have towards chiropractic because when they think about, um, you know, a Jean-Claude Van Damme or a Dolph Lundgren movie from the 80s and 90s, <laughs> they, the, the, the quickest way to kill somebody is by spinning their neck, right? Right, right. Well, <laughs> whereas a chiropractor, we are a trained professional. Yes. We're not like some samurai ninja, ninja right. that's chopping through people. People, I would have a fear of hey, that, but they're the not afraid crack, to go under the knife for surgery. The neck crack is my favorite. It's, to me, what uh, feels the best. Listen, Doc, we're almost out of time. Only a few seconds left. I want to make sure people know how they can find you, and we need to get you back on real soon because there's so many different things that we can talk about. But uh, if you're experiencing pain just about of any kind, uh, you need to call Dr. Ed. Doc, how can people find you? Yeah, so my new location is down in the Chesterfield Valley. Um, if anybody is familiar with the airport down there, I'm just around the corner from the airport right off the freeway at the Spirit of St. Louis Boulevard exit and Airport Road. But uh, my address is 18102E Chesterfield Airport Road in Chesterfield 63005. Um, you can find me on Google, uh, Google Maps with that now, um, Facebook, Ernstrom Spinal Rehab, um, or you can find Ed Ernstrom, D.C. Um, my cell, uh, sorry, my uh, my landline number is 636-778-2075. Again, 636-778-2075. Or you can find my website at imyourchiro.com. Great stuff. Um, you know, next time you ask uh, who's your chiropractor, just go to I'myourchiro.com and you'll find out. There you go. I'myourchiro.com for Dr. Ed Ernstrom. I cannot recommend going and seeing him enough. Doc, thanks so much for your time. Can't wait to talk to you again real soon. 
All right, Tony, we'll talk to you later, man. You bet. All right, that is going to do it for today's weekend report. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you missed anything, download the podcast. And for producer Carl Middleman and my partner Chris Harps, I'm Tony Colombo. Thank you for listening to 97.1 FM Talk. Get more at 971talk.com.